Any bread updates? I don't have any bread updates. I know that several of our listeners are are eager to hear uh, <laughs> bread updates. I guess I do have bread updates, actually, since we talked on the podcast. And then a number of our other listeners are like, please do not talk about bread. But <laughs> the but bread is very divisive. <laughs> uh, as I, I'm very pro-bread, personally. So um, as, as you know, but our listeners do not know, after we recorded that last podcast, I baked several more loaves of bread. And, uh, and you helped me with that. I was like texting you and FaceTiming you so you could see what my bread looked like. And, and you gave me some advice. And I think I, I mean, I, I think I ended with a pretty good loaf. Um, it, I, I, it still didn't rise, I think, as much as it, it should have or as much as like would have made me happy. But it tasted good and it was a pretty good, like, it was pretty good bread, I thought. Yeah. The getting the rise to be really, really great is tough. Um, I'm noticing that. Yeah, yeah. It depends on a lot of factors, but as long as it tastes good and, like, you're eating it, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, worse. it wasn't, yeah. Um, it wasn't like it didn't rise and it, it, it was fine. Uh, so I ended up making a bunch of changes from the Times recipe to the point where, like, uh, the ingredients are the same, but the amounts of ingredients and the way that they're prepared and the length of time they're cooked is just not what the recipe says. So you just totally did your own thing. I mean, I evolved my own thing from like from the Times recipe as a starting point. Nice, but yeah, uh, I ended with a process that like doesn't involve so many flour covered towels because things kept sticking. It involves parchment paper now and cornmeal <laughs> and like a very different uh, um, fermentation. And uh, what's the second part? Uh, you, proofing. Yeah, fermentation and proofing. Yeah, I've had like different times and, and temperatures for those. Uh, I came up with methods of roughly controlling the temperatures for those via uh, like putting things on the top of my stove while the oven preheats and um, putting things like closer or further from uh, heating vents in my apartment. And I had thermometers involved. It turned into a whole... Turn into a whole thing. You can really get obsessed with bread. That's part of part of why I like it. It's like four yeah. ingredients, not that much effort on your part, but like does take a lot of time, and you can just go really, really deep on it. Yeah. So at some one of these weekends when I have a little free time, I, I should try again. And then uh, you were suggesting maybe branch out into like dough that actually requires kneading and things like that. Right. Right. Um, and that may help me get uh, a little bit more of a rise. It's it's not clear to me how important kneading is. I, really? Yeah, because like you can make no need bread and it's pretty good. Um, huh. And I make a no need focaccia where you just kind of mix the ingredients, put it in the fridge for two days, and then pull it out, and it just like it has had enough time to like do its magic. Hmm. I will put the no need focaccia recipe in the in the show notes. It came out pretty good, just considering I just left it in the fridge for two days and then ate it. Um, yeah. Can you put a picture of your bread? I can put a picture of my bread, and uh, I can post somewhere the like recipe or the process that I ended up following to to achieve that bread. Nice. If if that would be interesting. Yeah, you might as well like worst case just put it in gist and put it in the show notes in case people want to. Yeah. See it. I think that'll be what I do. Yeah, because while there are people that don't like the bread stuff, there are people that do like the bread stuff, and, you know. Some for everyone. That's right. We got bread, Firebase. Oh, also exciting uh, exciting week last week, I guess. Uh, this is not bread-related, but um, we, we officially launched a startup, which is Ooh, cool. Cool. What is your startup called? Uh, it's called Census, which is spelled C-E-N-S-Y-S. Census. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's named that because that kind of reminds you of taking um, an inventory or a survey of everything that's connected to the internet, all the systems, right, mm, connected the to the internet. System. Mm, I like yeah. that. Okay. So this is the, the group that you're working with at the university spun out their research as a startup. And yes. So do you work for this startup yet? So I'm currently a university employee, most of whose time is going to start the startup project as part of the like tech transfer process uh, by which things get spin out of the university. Nice. Um, I will, at some point in the next several months, end up officially working for the startup. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we could talk quite a bit about this. We we could. I don't know how much is like actually. There, there's. I don't have a whole lot of like interesting software stuff to talk about. But I'm sure you could ask questions, yeah. and we'd come up with interesting things. Or we could. We can. I'm curious about Firebase too. Like it's something that I really haven't worked with very much. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, how about we do this? As you do more and more stuff with the startup, we can talk about it over the next coming months. Uh. And you can tell me like what that's kind of been like. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That sounds good. Cool. A couple of months ago, we talked about you, I think it was the grab bag episode, uh, which was Patreon only. You talked about writing what was called like an Amazon Lambda, which is like a Node.js function that your Alexa can trigger, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you get like, you know, to install your own node node modules and then kind of work from there. Firebase functions are a lot like that, but they are Hmm. listeners um, for when Firebase data changes. Um, okay, and, so yeah, so Firebase is Google's sort of like I don't know parse follow up. If you remember parse, where you like yeah. store data in the cloud, and it's kind of your like app's backend as a service, right? Although parse went to Facebook, right? The digital yeah. balkanization of uh, of all of our services here. Um, yeah, the, this is yeah, fine. So yeah, so Firebase is a number of services. It's Google Analytics got rebranded as Firebase. It's a real time oh, huh. database which is just a big JSON dictionary where you can just store stuff and then other apps can listen to it in real time and as they change. What's, okay, I was going to say, what's a real-time database and how does that differ from a database. A, <laughs> an imaginary time database? Yeah. It, the idea is basically as things change, you get notifications and you get the fresh data as it updates. Okay. Yeah. So these Firebase functions let you do things with that data as new data appears on the server. Exactly. Exactly. So you okay. can basically write this Firebase function, and then you can say sort of database dot, and then you describe like the path that you want, and then you do like on write, and then that's an event that you can then handle, and that event gives you access to all the data that just changed, and like lets you do interesting things. So uh, one of my clients has stuff in Firebase, and then when this uh, is like a report reporting system and so when a report gets updated or created i have to generate a pdf that sounds pretty tough and i wasn't really sure how it was going to work but it actually ends up being pretty straightforward you kind of listen for this event and then there's a bunch of node modules um that you can get through npm and and whatever your favorite package manager is uh and from that you can generate a pdf and then that PDF then goes back up into another part of Firebase, which is called Firebase Storage, which is kind of like S3. So yeah, so that's basically like what I spent the last week or so doing. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, you now have a system that like lets you produce PDFs on the server side when data shows up in Firebase? Yes, exactly. All right. Yeah. Nice. Pretty dope. PDFing is real weird. Uh, I totally believe that. How so? It's like... Everything is absolutely positioned. 
which is kind of annoying. And mm. then, like, so it's really hard to do really interesting layouts. Depending on which node module you use, it will handle some of that stuff for you. So the one I'm using kind of has this concept of, like, where you're laying text out. And will kind of, like, update that as you add text. And it gives you the ability to do columns and stuff, too, which is nice. But it doesn't handle pagination automatically. So you have to, like, size the text and then... Ugh. Yeah, and then, like, create your own page breaks. It's very, very weird and not cool. Um, fortunately, we don't have any data that needs to worry about pagination, but you can just create arbitrary new pages, which is nice. Yeah, pag- PDF, it's, 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 a, it's a hideous world out there. There are some yeah. modules that I think we will switch to eventually, which will let you take an HTML page, render it in something like PhantomJS, like a headless browser, and then render that into a PDF, and then just... You know, the, we'd be able to provide that to the user. That sounds crazy. Yeah. Uh, huh. But that's the beauty of Node. There's a package for everything, you know? Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have code that, like, manually lays out code and measures and paginates and everything. That sounds uh, that sounds like a lot. What was your experience working with, um, like, Firebase? Uh, so I've never worked with Firebase Functions. You've never worked with uh, an Amazon Lambda but what was your, I mean, maybe given our, our previous discussion of like writing the, the, um, uh, echo skill with, with an Amazon Lambda, like how do you think the Firebase function, uh, compares, uh, when, and what's the deployment process like? Yeah. So I think they're like, I mean, clone is a very harsh term, but they're very, very similar, I think. So the deployment process is you basically install a command line tool. And then you log into Firebase using that command line tool. And then you just type like Firebase deploy. And that's it when you're in the right folder on your on your desktop. Nice. Yeah. And it handles basically, it checks everything for you in terms of does everything like, does the syntax all look right? Uh, but you can't, I don't know if there's a way to actually test the code without deploying it. And so I've done a lot of deploys over the last few days hmm. um, trying to get this stuff to work. I found for Lambda, I found this just uh, random node package, but that puts just enough um, sort of machinery around it to mock out the like environment that it runs on in the uh, AWS cloud. Yeah, that's and that's like really useful. Yeah, that's really useful for testing. I'd be shocked if something similar didn't exist for for Firebase. Yeah, I think you're right. I just haven't gone looking for it, but that's probably a good next step. And I don't think that this is like a, a an official package or something that's officially supported i think it's just something that someone put together that um i i I guess that running one of these functions or one of these little applications takes very little in the way of like infrastructure surrounding it right because it's just one function essentially that gets called right yeah yeah um one one interesting question that kind of came up um i mean one thing that came up is that i still hate javascript i'm writing es6 i think it's horrible uh, yeah, it's not I good. I think Have the you... function syntax is really ugly. Like, if you if you want to make a just a function that just takes void and returns void, it's like open paren, close paren, and then like a hash rocket, like an equal sign, and then an arrow, and mm-hmm. then braces. And inside the braces go your function. So it's like a bunch of extra pointless characters that something like Swift just doesn't have. Right with Swift, yeah. you just have the the two braces and you're done. That's the whole function. Yeah, I think that's definitely that. That's kind of clumsy. Yeah. Have you looked at all at using any of the um, 
like ES7 to ES6. Oh, ES7? Like, oh my god, I'm so behind already. This is the well, it, quintessential has, JavaScript feeling. ES7 is a version that brings like async await, right? Am I making this up? No, that's correct. And you can get you, you can get it using something called Babel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is definitely ES7. So there are tools that like will take ES7 and like compile it down to something that can be run in like AW in a in a Lambda or um with like Node 6, right? Yeah. Uh I started down this path with my like little um with, with my Amazon Echo skill and like quickly realized I don't understand how to set up this tool chain and for this like stupid little project it's just not worth it i'll just write uh, boring javascript without async await yeah i think that's probably the best thing i'm looking at the es7 stuff now it doesn't look like anything i like have to have async await which is kind of nice and actually would make some of this code a little cleaner they add observables they add like nice abilities to merge objects and and destructure de- them and stuff i don't really care about that uh, async await would make this code much nicer so you may be able to. So what I ended up doing was using promises in some places rather than async await. Yeah, I'm definitely and, heavily on promises. Yeah, I mean then that's not that's good. You enough. know, not great, but it's it's fine. Yeah. Um. Cool. One other thing that I noticed here is so so now um, for this client I've done an iOS app, I've done an Android app, we have someone working on a web app, and we also have this PDF thing. So it's like that's like four different platforms that this this like report needs to be rendered in like four different clients for this one set of data. So we end up duplicating a lot of the logic around displaying a report. So one of the things we do is we provide summary statistics. So um, how many, how many of the you know com- components of this report have this kind of condition? Um, how many things have safety hazards? You know, even simple stuff like, uh, a report is made up of a bunch of images, so you need to have some logic that's like, okay, well, if the number of images is one, then write one image, but if it's any other number, write n images, right? The pluralization code. Mm-hmm. And so in iOS, you can kind of use like an SLOCALIZE string, but then Android has its own thing, and then web has its own thing, and then this this PDF generator in a dream world would use the same rendering code as the web, and then... PDF that so that I could actually knock out one platform that way. But at this point, I have four different places where all this logic is implemented multiple times and no real clear way to deduplicate it. Really? That's huh. So I have a couple of options, right? One option is when you create the report, I could run through and generate all of the associated display data and store it in the database and then everybody would would have access to it. Another option that I have is I could create like a report type in JavaScript and then every platform would just run, it would like hydrate a report with the report data and then you would have access to these like read-only properties that would be computed and like would have all this display data. That's the second option. I don't really see any other approach. Yeah, I mean... hmm. For something that needs to work for this PDF render and web, which are both JavaScript... And iOS, which is Objective C, and Android, which is Kotlin. Huh? Isn't that interesting? And it's like not that much code, so it's not horrible, but it's also not great. Yeah, no, that's not. There must be some. There must be a better solution here. I think uh, I, I may have to go back and, and re-listen to this conversation and and think about it for a little while too. Yeah. 
if you have any insight, I'd be open to it. Because it's like, it's obviously the logic is really simple, but it's glaringly duplicated, and there's a lot of it. So, like, some reports have uh, an e- the, the email of the person who assessed the report, but some don't. So you want to display, like, email not set. Like, you want a nice string for that. Um, but the ones that do, obviously, you can use strings. So that's, like, one bit of logic that's duplicated f- mm-hmm. four times. Then this, like, pluralization logic four times. Uh, date math is another one. So, like, the um, the dates in the database are stored as seconds from the Unix epic. Uh, but we need to convert that into something human-readable, basically. So that And doing that in a, like, localized way is platform-dependent. Well, unless we use JavaScript, which has like locale sensitive date generation that we could tap into. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's using date formatter on Android, NS date formatter Mm -hmm. on iOS, um, and then what's the thing in uh, in JavaScript? It's it's two locale date string to which you can Mm -hmm. pass a bunch of options. So I wonder if so. If if I'm understanding you so far, the problem is that you have like you have this the data. I assume there's some sort of like data structure that underlies one of these reports. Yeah, yeah, it's available simple. on it's, each platform. Yeah, but the but the rendering and specifically rendering in a like device and platform and locale aware way is right. is really duplicated. I'm less worried so, about ro- locale for now. I will have to worry about locale eventually. But um, okay, I, if I could just deduplicate it without concerning myself with locale, I would do that. So let let me so the thing that is coming to mind which um ah, is is I, I'm like a little bit nervous to to even suggest this, but something like React Native that may provide you with a way to like write some platform independent code that handles some of the like formatting and and all that jazz and and still can render out to like to native views. Um because I know that React Native isn't quite like a um uh, write once, run everywhere solution, but it would allow you to share a lot more of the sort of business logic um, and and probably formatting logic. And I know that they do have uh, sort of platform uh, independent shims in place for at least some of this stuff. So that is a JavaScript related solution, true, but it might be something to look at. And even on the server side, if you move to a like Phantom JS based PDF generation system, then like obviously generating a page with React Native and then rendering that to PDF would be plausible. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm definitely not opposed to using JavaScript everywhere because that is the one language that will work in every situation. Yeah. Well, so you got Swift on the server. You can do Swift interop on Android. Well, yeah, and then like <laughs> render Swift into ASM and then run that in the browser. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's true. And and <laughs> no, no, just JavaScript. To... I think is the right answer if I really do want to deduplicate this logic. Uh, we our our web version is React, so that's a point in the React column's favor. Okay. Um, so you could see how much of that like could be reused on on iOS and Android. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't think React Native and React can use the same components. But I huh. think I think you can like. They can use the same JavaScript objects. Yeah, they surely can use the same sort of model and the same sort right. of like yeah. things that process your model into uh, something that is closer to the UI. Yeah, and then how would I structure that? Would that be like its own Git repo that would be like a sub-module of all of the other ones or monorepo? I mean, I'm gonna. I'm always gonna go full mono repo and say that this should be a mono repo. But barring that, like, yeah. it gets well, it needs to be open source at some point. So there is some sensitivity to exactly how it's structured. Okay. Um, it's not just like whatever I feel like. 
but it's not it's not impossible to do a monorepo. Yeah, I mean, or like get get submodules that are right. painful to work with, but like a plausible solution here. Yeah, or um, maybe a node module somehow. Yeah, possible, well, that, and that could sure. still be like a. Yeah, if you you'd probably still include that with a submodule, right? Um, well, no, you you would, or you no. would like npm install it. Yeah. Huh. That could work. I guess the I mean the considerations to weigh there are the same as like having an internal CocoaPod or, or, right. or a Carthage package versus just having a bunch of like code that you uh, include in your project via submodule. Yeah. Um, you have maybe a little bit more structure and process around it, uh, and it's a little bit more self-contained. And the trade-off is uh, wait, what's the trade-off? <laughs> well, the trade-off is that I end up with this like, like. Yeah, this like internal. I guess them having more process around it is the trade off, right? So if you want to change something about how the iOS app is rendered, you end up having to like install like Gulp or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So I have this like really creakily constructed like network of dependencies. It would be weird, and it's like, is that really worth it to deduplicate simple logic? Like, I have one image here and two images there, like. Yeah, I wonder. Um, yeah, it, it's cause maybe it's, not. Yeah. Although, as this gets more complex, you probably will want some way to describe uh, to describe these, like really, like business rules yeah. in right uh, it, it, to model them in a way that that's platform independent. Um, but, I could use a lot more. The, the other option that we talked about, I could use a lot more database storage for it. Uh, what, how, how so? Right. So let's say you upload a report and then when that happens, I would also upload, I would also like generate at that time the, like all the little strings that you need and then just save that into the database so that when you read the database, you can just read those strings. Now to do that in a locale sensitive way, you have to save it multiple times once for each language. Yeah. It's I'm like, not sure that that's a yeah. great solution. Yeah. But, but like is, Yeah. It's not a great Give, given a choice between like tightly coupling your database to yeah. how this stuff, these things are formatted, uh, and just duplicating simple formatting code, I would definitely go with duplicating simple formatting code. Right, right. And it's so simple as a thing, but there's a lot of it. So like, I just had to rewrite it for the third time, and I know somebody else has written the fourth uh, time, and it's like they're each one's in a different language, and it's like kind of silly. I think there was supposed to be some kind of dream where you could like download an object. Like some kind of uh, what? What? When when like Smalltalk was being invented or whatever, it was kind of supposed to be the way that like you could just say I need access to this like object, and oh, yeah. you would just it, it would just come down with its behavior, like it would come down from the network with its behavior and its mm-hmm. and its data together. Yeah, and that Absolutely. would be a cool solution to this, but that doesn't really exist. But then, like, maybe no. you could, like, download the JavaScript class with right. I think that I think that something JavaScript-y, React native-y is probably the closest you're going to get to that today. Yeah. And I think we'd be remiss, right, if we didn't give a shout-out to, uh, I think, the Concurrency Manifesto, where Chris Latner outlined some, like, far, far future uh, dreams of the things that Swift could enable with some of the the, the um, uh, concurrency principles and, and primitives that he outlined. When one of those was like distributed objects in a much more like transparent way that that actually worked and took care of a lot of the like remote procedure call sort of um, machinery around 
accessing stuff over the network like this. And um, obviously you can't use this today and it's unclear exactly how much it would help, but like uh, that small talk dream of um, just breaking down these boundaries is still, still live. Yeah. That's an interesting idea because what I could do with that is like, I guess the report object would just live somewhere else and I wouldn't care where it lived and they could all talk to the same server that would tell it how to render a report. Yeah. And I mean, so there are a bunch of, you know, like stupid uh, requirements here. Like what happens if they use it on a slow network, right? Uh, Or or is on the subway with no uh, internet connection. Right. That would be bad. But like, yeah. And the other thing is, you know, as Swift quote unquote, like takes over the world or whatever, having it be runnable in more places could mean that, um, I could just run this Swift code on Android and I could run the Swift code in the iOS app. And then I could also kind of either transpile or, or fully compile the Swift code into JavaScript or ASM mm-hmm. and have it just run in the browser as well. By yeah. ASM, you mean web ASM, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it ASM.js? Isn't that the, uh, maybe I, I'm pretty out of the loop here. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. Web, web ASM. I think, I think ASM.js and web ASM are, Maybe the same thing, maybe interchangeable, maybe not. Maybe you know, ASMJS like implements a web... Why WebAssembly web is faster um, than ASM.js? Well, I think may, is WebAssembly maybe like native support and ASMJS is a like... Library? Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, well, I have no I idea. Put the link in the show notes, I'll also put it in my Insta paper so that I can read it. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all I've got for uh, for you. I mean, it definitely sounds like you have a, a problem here. I think that something, I mean, you find some way to share some of this stuff if it's really this much of a pain point. Um, that that may well be some sort of JavaScript based thing, even if if it's not React Native. Maybe it's just JavaScript that you interact with through JavaScript's core or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's also a definite possibility. The, the other thing is like it's not really clear how much this code will change. Definitely it'll change when localization comes into play and it'll have to change on four platforms four different times. That'll be really bad. Other than that, I guess the model will change a little bit. Um, I think we're hoping to do a 2.0 with like a slightly different model. Um, so it may change there as well. Maybe that's the time that I would like rewrite everything to be in some kind of base JavaScript state and then, yeah. And then the other thing, you know, somebody has to pick this up after I'm done with it. Um, I hope to work on this project for a long time, but if I don't, you know, I can't, I can't leave it with this like crazy build process. Right. It has to be something understandable and well-documented. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can, can I leave you with uh, a couple teasers about things that we could talk about that are startup related? Yes, I would love to hear those Future teasers. So, so what we're doing, uh, let me just describe what we're doing. Um, and, and some of the engineering problems should present themselves pretty quickly. Uh, and I should also like, like give a disclaimer here that none of this is, is really my original work. This is stuff that people in this research group have been working on for, uh, the past several years since like 2014. Uh, I'm, I've come in, uh, you know, relatively recently to try to improve this, the service and, and the code that runs all this. Uh, so, so what we're doing is, uh, it's an internet wide scanning project. We, uh, on, on a bunch of different protocols, we connect to, or we, we scan and, uh, and try a handshake, 
uh, at the like application level uh, to every IPv4 address, so 4.2 billion addresses. Uh, we scan all the every all these protocols at least once a week. Uh, the common protocols we'll do once a day. While we're doing this, you know, we'll, we'll do a, a handshake and do like an HTTPS handshake, do the the beginning part of like an SSH handshake. Uh, important to call out that like we don't try to get pa- guess passwords or anything like that. So at the point where the server asks us for a password, we just drop the connection. That's, you know, that seems seems obvious, but it's important to call that out. <laughs> and we gather all of this data and make it searchable via via a web interface where you can enter, um, like do full text searches, search for specific things. In, in specific fields. Uh, maybe you're interested in looking just for all uh, HTTPS servers that are presenting certificates uh, that, that um, use a specific public key. You can, you can answer that. Uh, and we also have some other data sources. So in, in addition to um, like collecting uh, just everything that we can see via scans on a whole bunch of protocols, uh, and we're, we're working on adding more protocols uh, you know, constantly, uh, we gather all the um, SSL certificates that we see from scans, as well as from something called certificate transparency logs, and we can put some reading on that into the show notes. And I mean, as you know, HTTPS is getting more popular, and so we we are adding now uh, several hundred million uh, certificates every year to our database. And that's just going to continue to keep growing. So uh, a lot of like really interesting and really fun to work on engineering problems just related to, uh, okay, first of all, like managing a data pipeline where we take all this scan data and and process it and and put it in a database and uh, make it all like available for full text searching and, uh, you know, distributing this data to uh, to like other, um, you know, researchers who are using this data for academic research. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's cool stuff. It, it really is. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. <laughs> so the idea is then like, if you want access to this giant database, you pay the startup and that's how the startup makes money. Uh, yes, exactly. So, uh, our, like, initial product here, um, is this, uh, so, like, several years ago, uh, the students in this group put together a pretty simple web interface to let them query this data just because it was useful for research, right? Uh, it turns out that that's useful not just for researchers, but for people who are, um, you know, interested in seeing what, uh, you know, what is exposed on, on their network that they're defending, right? Uh, or people who are maybe looking at malware and want to see, uh, you know, want to discover things about whatever servers malware uh, they see malware connecting to all kinds of like uses like that uh, and so we're, we we have this website now uh, which is available for for commercial use um, there there's a free account level with um, some you know that has that has a pretty strict quota on it and uh, if you want to do more searches every month you can pay the startup money and uh, and like we query to your heart's content pretty nuts yeah, cool. I think we're gonna have a lot of cool stuff to talk about with this. Yeah, with all these new things we're working on. Yeah, I think so. It's definitely uh, this is really different from iOS development, but um, I'm really excited about yeah. it. Are you still mostly doing Python? Still mostly Python. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, we'll talk about it soon. Yeah, I still don't really like Python that much. Yeah, gotta say, what? it's also hard to find languages that you do like <laughs> that one likes. You know what I mean? Is it a com? Yeah, I was gonna say. Did you mean you like me no, specifically, well, I, or I don't want to? I don't want to presume to speak for you, but for <laughs> me, I feel like every language is like a trade off in its own way. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that's that's what I've got. Um, we did it, Chris. For... We did another one. Yeah. Always good to talk to you. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.